0: We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense.
1: Purdy rolls right. Looking to throw. Benito gives chase. Comes back left. Purdy still looking. Sets up. Ball's loose. Rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kameh Rabian, and I'm joined by a special guest, covers UCF Athletics and is publisher of Fan Nation's Inside the Knights, powered by Sports Illustrated, Brian Smith. Brian, how are you doing, man?
0: What's going on, buddy? How you doing?
1: Uh, it is, I mean, like, it's Oklahoma. We're in and I'm sure Florida has these, especially, you know, being in the coast and being in the in the deep south, if you will. Uh, we're in a heat bubble right now. So every day is roughly 98 and humid. I'm imagining you're experiencing something similar.
0: Oklahoma is slightly hotter. Uh, we just get it for longer. So, mm. yeah, but it's 94 to 97. I mean, yep. once you get above 90. I'm not gonna hang out outside much anyway, so it's not relevant to me. So yeah, I'm inside.
1: Kind of kind of tracks, kind of tracks. I, and for, for those for those uh, uh, that aren't able to watch, Brian, uh, I mean you've you've got a beautiful bald head and I imagine the sweat is sometimes no. unbearable.
0: Uh, it's not fun. Uh it's not fun. I'm walking from my car to the door, I can sweat and, and have it come down into my eyes. It's very, Lord have mercy. It's terrible, man. <laughs>
1: so let's talk about let's talk about, I mean, things you you are way more familiar with than Sooner fans are. Um obviously Jeff Levy, uh, and Dylan Gabriel, both guys that went through UCF in Orlando. Um, and so let's talk about the play calling side of things because I know people want to know a lot about Dylan Gabriel, but We also want to know a lot about the offense as well. Um, Jeff Levy used more tight ends in his play calling at uh, Ole Miss. And that might've been a Lane Kiffin thing that the the lack of tight end usage might've been a Josh Heupel thing. Not sure if it's somewhere in between, but what it should sooner fans be expecting when Jeff Levy puts an offense offense on the field, in your opinion.
0: There's two parts to that. Number one, historically, UCF's worst position is tight end, and it's by a landslide. Why, I have no idea. Mm. It just is. So you play the personnel that is presented to you, and he had a ton of speed at receiver. Well, it's not rocket science from there. So that's the first part. Second, name an SEC school that doesn't have tight ends. Right. You know what I mean? It's not again, it's not rocket science. We've got some guys that do this. And although he's not discussed as much as he should, Webby runs the ball and so does Kiffin. And you can use Wam blocks from the Hbacks etc. So it was more multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But the bottom line with regardless of the personnel, it, and this is just something I asked Jalen Robinson last year, who just ironically transferred to Ole Miss from UCF. He's a pure burner. I said, you know, what was it like playing for them? And now you're getting ready to shift over to Gusman. This was uh, last year in August. And he said, well, really, Levy's offense, he goes, it's just one or two basic things you kind of look at. And there's a, basically three or four outs. And you just try to absolutely kill people with big plays down the field. If they're one-on-one with me, he would talk about – like Dylan knows that more than likely we've got a shot and they had different cues. And they would look to take a lot of shots. That was Levy's idea. If you're going to commit to the box – We're going over the top. If you play cloud defense, cover three, et cetera, we're going to run the ball. It's just A or B. It's just numbers Mm. in the box. You hear Urban Meyer and different guys that have talked about that over the years, and it's just math. And they don't overcomplicate it at all. They just use talent.
1: The way it was described to me by Stephen Willis, who runs Locked on Ole Miss, was it was described as... Basically, when Baylor and TCU were running the Big 12, when Oklahoma was oh, yeah. down, that's what to expect. I mean, like exactly well, what you're saying. Uh,
0: the Baylor offense is, is when the Idiot Brigade was there running it, but they knew offense. Mm-hmm. If they would run to the line of scrimmage, the receivers would go to the same spot every time. They, they wanted familiarity, and just what speed and talent take over. Again, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. And if you play a certain coverage, this is what we run my guy is better than your guy. My quarterback will throw a better ball than your DB can cover. That's it. It's the same concept. But again, your point about the H backs and the tight ends and stuff, they just added something because they adjusted the personnel. And that's very key. Oklahoma's got a pretty good tradition with tight ends. And I don't know why that would change. Right. Y'all recruit the state of Texas. It's always got tight ends. So I would expect the more old Miss version as opposed to the UCF version of the offense. And, You know, Oklahoma doesn't exactly struggle to get slot receivers and stuff either. So they'll mix and match and they'll give personnel packages where they can run power on one play and then the same set of players on the next play go five wide. That's what drives defensive coordinators nuts (laughs) because your linebacker is going to be in flux on one of the two. It's just a matter of the order of plays. And that's where Webby is excellent.
1: And so going on one of these things is, what are some of the major critiques of Jeff Lebby? Because Heupel, you know, being at UCF, Lebby being very familiar with OU, obviously he played at OU, uh, familiar, familiar with Heupel. Uh, What are some of the major critiques when Jeff Lebby was there and after he had left?
0: Um, the, the negative is it was sometimes too simplified, but my reply to that was, well, they scored like crazy. Um, I've got some of Dylan Gabriel's stats up and even his freshman year. I mean, again, true freshman. Uh, He came in out of Hawaii. He threw for thirty six hundred and fifty three yards as a true freshman. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's not the biggest guy. I Stood next to Dylan a few times and, you know, they list him at six foot. That's garbage, by the way. Uh, He he might be five, ten and a half.
1: Yeah, he,
0: he might be.
1: It's like Kyler when they listed him as a, as like six foot. I was like Kyler, Kyler Murray. He's five know. nine and a half. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean.
0: And it's just get the hell out of here. He is who he is. Just list it. Uh, you can't catch him, and he won't out throw him. Um, they make the system simple enough, and put enough skill guys out there that it's very simple. Now, is it overwhelmingly redundant? Yes. For fans, sometimes they want to see something different. But when you're scoring over thirty points a game, shut up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's just it—it's it, that way. The only other criticism, and this is the cat and mouse game of football, and why it's so intriguing at any level, when you run up tempo, if you go three and out, the other team punches it and scores. If you come back out again and run three and out, your defense is screwed. That's who they are. They are high risk. That's what Brent
1: Venables has been mentioning about. They need yeah. to find a balance between that.
0: If that's the case, if they're already talking about this, it would be a very short marriage because Webby's one st- – I mean, you got a defensive-minded guy and an offensive-minded guy. This could be a very short marriage. Interesting. That's, that's just – I'm just telling you now, that offense works one way. Now, now, now.
1: And, and, it, it's-, and it's so intriguing because Venable's – made sure like that was like the number one name when Venable, when Venable's name was being floated as an OU uh, replacement coach for Lincoln Riley, the number, the second name you heard after Venables was, Oh, Venables and Jeff Levy. And so like, it was almost like Venables was ready to bring Levy with him immediately. As soon as he got that call,
0: they probably talked, but this, this is common. Now you, you got to remember first time head coach, as a general rule, they're more conservative, especially if they're defensive-minded guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I I don't know what he's going to do, but now the other thing is he's got a senior quarterback. If he's not willing to let it go with that, it gives me pause about Venables in general because don't hire a guy to do something then not allow him to do it. You're going to have to take some lumps. Um, I have no idea what the talent level in terms of depth it is for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But their second unit is as valuable in a lot not saying they're distance talented, but is as valuable because if they don't have depth, this isn't going to work year one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Against there – There are eight games that Oklahoma is going to show up and win pretty much, seven at minimum because they just have more talent. Those other ones, the second teamers are just incredibly valuable because in the fourth quarter, you know, you have to still grind out and get first thing. You may not have to score, but you got to at least play four minute offense, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And he's got to be able to let the offense do what they do. And from my experience of watch, I don't know, Benables, but from watching him, he's a teeny bit of a control freak. And I'm being very kind with that. So that is why one pause, because this offense, and I've studied it from different programs and whatnot, and of course have some knowledge of it with UCF. It only works one way. And that's the gas, the other team, because the running game, it's inside zone, outside zone, a couple other basic, but they're, they're not going to beat you up with things going like McVay from the from the Rams, this is not that. Mm-hmm. That is super complex. This is polar opposite. It is about wearing out the opponent, playing high risk, throwing the deep ball, and playing as fast as possible.
1: And so on the flip side of that coin, what are one or two major positives of that Jeff Levy offense? Is, is just the amount of points scored? It would be one of them is just like you're putting up 40 points a game. Uh, what what else is a major positive?
0: There's two or three things that come to mind. When you run a lot of deep balls, and, and Jalen had told me there's like man on man, and again, he's a world-class track kid. Jalen had some ties like, to OU. Oh, yeah, yeah, a few. Uh, <laughs> when you have kids like that, it's very simple. If you load the box, and they'll run the ball well. They will, I guarantee. Plus, they got, in my opinion, as good an O-line coach as there is in the country. He's tremendous. If they run the ball well, they're going to get one-on-ones outside. Mm-hmm. How many teams in the Big 12 not named Baylor or Texas have the corners to consistently play with Oklahoma's receivers? And even those two, it's not a lock.
1: Yeah, especially with Texas and Oklahoma State, when their defensive coordinator left, he had some guys. They, they, they lost their,
0: their corners transferred, too.
1: Yep. They're, Aranda's they're really the main go. one.
0: Oklahoma State's going to take a dive defensively. You can't replace corners that have a chance to get paid. can't do it. Mm-hmm. So – Baylor is going to be the most difficult out, in my opinion. And I love Dave Miranda. He runs a unique defense, et cetera, et cetera. That'll be their biggest challenge because they will be physical at the point of attack. They run a 3-3-5. Three, three, they mix 3-4. They're a pain to play against. Very difficult. But outside of them, unless Oklahoma and or Dillon is just off that day, the speed they have is going to cause so many problems because nobody has the corners to line up against them. I expect Oklahoma to lead the conference in rushing if their O-line stays healthy. Of course, that's always a big if right. continuity up front is everything. And Oklahoma always has running backs. This is not a new, new, you know, news flash, but they could lead the league in rushing because there just aren't that many teams in, in that conference that have corners. They're just not. So prove me wrong. And I, I, I think they could just dominate on the ground and, and what a side note, Dylan can run some, he doesn't do it a lot, but he's a pretty good athlete. So a little read option here, there, the goal line, some bootleg. He can absolutely do that too a critical situation.
1: I mean, all the highlights I've seen of him is him just throwing touchdowns. So apparently he just throws touchdowns from what I've, from what I've seen.
0: <laughs> for, the, for the most part, that's true. But I mean, he, he's an up top guy. He throws as good a deep ball as there is in college football. And again, he had, I know it's UCF. They have a ton of speed at receiver. Mm. So it wasn't a difficult thing to do. Um, if you give them man on man coverage, or if you're playing tight, it's going up top. You can call it, you can call the play before the play is even you know, snapped. Straight up, no ifs, no ands, no buts, going up top.
1: Get those athletes out in space. That's the Correct. descent, defense, stretch the defense. And just when you think you're going over top, run the ball when there's nobody yep. there in second level. It's incredible. So, Flipping over to Dylan Gabriel, um, before the injury last season with the collarbone, uh, the 2019 season was a breakout season for him. I don't know if people were expecting him to do that, obviously. Uh, but how would you describe his style of play? Like you said, and like I've like I've heard from others, a beautiful deep ball has a really nice touch on those passes. Yeah. But how else would you describe his style of play? He's, he, can, he can scramble a little bit. He's a little bit quick on his feet, um, a little bit more quick than he is fast. So, But how would you describe him on the field?
0: Cerebral. He is not going to force it. He is going to make the money play, meaning what's the most likely outcome for my team being good here? He is not going to just go like if I don't know who it will be this year, but whoever's Oklahoma's best receiver, if he's got one on one, chances are, yeah, he's going to go there. But if it's checking down to the H back and letting him run over some poor corner, that's what he'll do too. He will move the chains accordingly. He takes what they they give him. And when all things are equal, again, he will go up top. He he will make the difficult down the field throw that just there's nothing coordinators can do. That's his best attribute, but don't discount because that's what YouTube's going to show and all that. It's exciting and all that. His most important throws are often screens. He leads the guys on screens. He does a good job on throwing the little pattern out in the flat to the running back to give him a head start, you know, keep his eyes down the field. He will move the chain. His only difficulty, really, I mean, he's an okay athlete to move around. He's not going to be, you know, Like Jackson and Baltimore. He's not that guy. Mm -hmm. He's not going to kill you that way. And OU's been blessed with some freak athletes at quarterback. He's not that guy. So he can succumb to some pressure once in a while, but he'll read it more often than not. So with their offensive line, teams probably aren't going to blitz as much Mm -hmm. because they'll be schooled on how to pick it up. His deficiency will be negated to a certain degree.
1: I was I was told that he was a, almost like a great value version of Baker Mayfield, if you will.
0: I'd say there are very different players, but I mean, Baker was a high risk guy because he, he would try to throw into some windows. You probably should. Uh, and he got away with it at the college level. He's not doing mm-hmm. as well at the NFL level with that. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. I mean that if you haven't followed it, then I don't know where you've been, but his NFL career doesn't match his college because players are just better. He hasn't adjusted as well. Well, when Baker really got in a bad mess in college, he did everything wrong, and then made six guys miss and scored. Yep. Dylan can't do that. Um, Baker is one of the most elusive and naturally instinctive runners in the quarterback position we've seen in college football history, especially clutch moments like that running against Ohio State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you know, you can't you can't schedule that in any way, shape, or form. It's just a great play. So. Dylan will break contain and either just throw it out of bounds or find somebody. If he gets outside the pocket, he's just as dangerous, if not more so than if he's in the pocket because he could see better. He's not, again, he's not very tall, but if he gets outside the pocket, he'll make plays. I just don't know where his limits are going to be this year because the big 12, it's a lot different in terms of the styles, mm-hmm. a lot more three, three, five, Different people moving around. They take a lot of chances because, again, the corners aren't near as good like Big 12 they are to SEC. It's just night and day. So they got to take more chances. I'll be curious to see how teams attack Oklahoma because Dylan doesn't care. He'll he'll hand it off five times in a row. He doesn't care. He just wants to win. That's the good news for Oklahoma fans. He is totally fine with that. So they ran for, I want to say 200 and some, like 250 in their first game last year against Boise. They kept playing Cloud. Deep coverage, deep coverage. Bowser ran 33 times or something like that. Yep. I mean, it, it is what it is. And they stuck with the run game, even though they played a horrible early in the game. They were down 21 to nothing and came back to win by pounding the football, which is odd. But, it, you know, second four never goes out of style. So, and that's what they did.
1: And th- that was the nature I was getting from Steven over at Ole Miss was that like one day you might have 400 yards passing and a hundred something, 175 yards rushing. The next day you might have, you know, a couple hundred yards passing, but a few hundred yards on the ground, just depending on what the defense has given you. Um, and and yeah. Dylan Gabriel, like you said, is a guy that is unselfish and just wants the team to win and just wants the win in general and is not necessarily a guy like Jalen Hurts, who people kind of surmise that might be tucking the ball a little bit too much and taking it on his own, on his own shoulders. Uh, a question that you would know of definitely in particular, what's he like? What, what is Dylan Gabriel like in pressers? What's his personality?
0: Um, he's, he's very guarded. He's not going to throw any of his teammates under the bus. Um, he's, he's been schooled. He's incredibly intellectual. You're not going to fool him. Um, not that I'm saying anybody would try, but um, very sharp, very complimentary, and he will give credit to the other team. It's like he's been trained by, and I know they do this, the NFL level, they'd say, this is what you can and can't say. He's already been through that in some way. I don't know who did it, but he's he's been trained. And he'll also talk about what he liked and what he needs to work on himself. He'll be harder on himself than anybody else, uh, win, lose, or draw. So He's pretty much right down the middle.
1: And so with that in mind, you we see what he has in 2019. Of course, his 2020 season is cut short with the collarbone. And I imagine you probably saw some growth from 2019 to 2020. And then now he steps into a system with Jeff Levy once again. Who Jeff Lebby's a box coordinator, which Oklahoma had been used to having a guy on the sidelines for the last however many years calling plays, which I think is interesting. So Dylan Gabriel can be an extension of Lebby in the box as far as like what he kind of wants to run, what he's noticing. And then as far as Dylan Gabriel having an opportunity not to not play. And just to watch games, watch defenses, and watch how they're attacking Jeff Lebby's offense or attacking the offense that's in front of him. Um, do you what should Sooner fans expect from him this coming fall? Do you expect to see more growth from Dylan Gabriel as far as maturity, um, physical attributes, whatso have you? Uh what do you think about that?
0: I don't think there'll be a huge difference. Um I mean, like, I'm just looking at his sophomore stats, 32 touchdowns and four interceptions. You're not going to beat eight to one very well. I mean, it's just, you know, not not realistic. The only thing that, I again, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, you might see him run a little bit more. Hmm. And it's just something because I I think a lot of teams are going to play a lot of cloud, a lot of zone, and try to make Oklahoma go eight, nine, 10, 11. They don't want five play drives against them. If you score, damn it, you're going to have to score by going six yards. kind of like Joe Paterno's old defenses in the 70s and 80s. They were just so consistent. And then you get in the red zone where it's congested and they'd make you kick a field goal. That's yeah. kind of going to be what I expect most teams do. Now, again, Baylor or Texas, somebody with more talent might be a little different. But most of the like Texas Tech has no chance if Dylan's <laughs> on that. They have no chance. They have none. Uh, I have no ideas on the roster, but that's the whole point. They don't have enough defensive players. Kansas State's well-coached. Maybe they could have a day. Mm-hmm. Iowa State, same thing. They run a very complex defense. But by and large, those teams don't have the corners to hang out and guard the guys that play for Oklahoma. So they're going to play zone. They're going to nickel and dime them. And I really don't think you'll change anything, which Oklahoma fans should be happy about. If you got a guy that's going to throw 35 touchdown passes, why would you complain? So right. just be happy. Um, and, and again, He's going to have similar talent at skill spots, but more of them, more depth. And I also think the tight end play will be the wild card because Oklahoma, I mean, when, when have they not had a good tight end in the on the roster to do something, whether it's a really good run blocker, whether it's a, you know, flex guy, whatever, they always have somebody that will be the next factor for him. Cause he does not care. Whoever's open gets the football.
1: Fair enough. So, if you were to choose out of all the things on the field to critique, what is the number one issue that maybe people had with his play on the field?
0: Trying to take deep shots, but that's just that's their offense. He was done what he was told. Um, some I mean it's gonna be a lower percentage, but um, he completed roughly 60% of his passes throwing a lot of deep balls. Mm. If they'd have been more of a moderate to short passing game, he'd have hit 70, 72%. He's very accurate. Watching him throw before games and just the way he goes about his work, knowing him a little bit, he takes it very, very serious. His regimen is very consistent. He knows what he's doing. I, I think it was just UCF fans. I mean, he he took over from McKenzie Milton. And Oklahoma mm. fans will never understand the whole – dynamic with that. I mean, as a redshirt freshman, he led him to an undefeated seat. That's just wild. It's kind of a once-in-30-year kind of thing for any team. It's it's just bizarre. So, Gabriel took his spot. So, there were always people that were bitter about that. So, what UCF fans think is a little – if he didn't get as much credit as he should, and when he left, he didn't – that didn't go over very well at all. So, Oklahoma fans should just look forward to seeing the ball going up top and hitting guys – And seeing the scoreboard change, even if he doesn't make a single pass on a drive, because he knows that based on the defense, the running back should get the ball. He will be the best field general they've had in a while. probably.
1: That was going to be another one of my questions that you just mentioned is um, seeing him kind of like dip out from UCF. Is there there any kind of reaction uh, from UCF folks that see Jeff Lebby dip from Ole Miss to Oklahoma and then Dylan Gabriel, who had previously already committed to go to UCLA UCLA. conveniently finds himself in Norman. Now, did UCF fans have any sort of reservations about that?
0: Like most college football fans, UCF fans that comment. Now here's the key Twitter, Instagram, whatever one you want to go to. TikTok doesn't matter. The people that post the most are almost always the most negative. Hmm. it's just human nature let's start with that and you could pick Florida Texas I mean what do I know is Texas fans have a million things to complain about <laughs> considering where they should be based on what they spend it's unbelievable
1: <laughs> they have the uh, most assets and they just can't right, yeah, they, they are
0: by far the biggest underachievers in the last 20 years of college football mm-hmm. and that's with the national title it's sad wow here's here's the thing UCF fans were mad that he left but they are applauding the transfer portal like crazy. They have like 14 kids that have transferred in. We can, you can't. That is the name of the game with people that post, so I don't give a crap what they think. And that's not just UCF. Oklahoma fans are the same way. Mm-hmm. The highway that they made after Lincoln Riley, the last three feet is, just, I mean, how petty is that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's pathetic. And some diplomat got paid a bunch of money by some pissed off booster to do that. I guarantee it. Some offshore account, Lord only knows. Yeah, Bottom line yeah, I mean, I mean, you know how how clean politics are in our country. Um, the bottom line, I don't think that it ended very well, but I knew it was coming. I said something to Gus Malzahn at a press conference. He'd mentioned Dylan Gabriel like week eight, week nine of the season. In the next press conference, I said something about him. And Gus is a guy that does not hide things at all. He can't mm-hmm. do it. He just can't do it. And he got real squirmy, and I'm like, Something has transpired. Dylan kept going to practices and all that in the USF game. He was out there throwing, but he didn't play, and then he was gone. Mm -hmm. So it was probably in the works for a while, and if I noticed it, I'm sure fans did too. So it it didn't end very well. It's sad, but I think that's probably the case with the kid that left Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, it is the nature of college football these days, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is all in or all out we love you or hate you there is, it, it's pathetic it's human nature mm-hmm. with our country right now politics are involved with it but it goes right across into sport too so it's the same thing at UCF yes
1: yeah, certainly and and so on the, on the flip side because I asked you a critique a, a major critique about Dylan Gabriel if there was one I mean if you had to narrow it down to one or two things what's the thing the Oklahoman uh, Oklahomans and Sooner fans should be expecting him to do best. Like, what is the best thing in his arsenal of attributes that he has, according to you?
0: Making the proper decision. He, again, in that offense, conservatively, one out of three plays, he'll have what I would call the green light based on what he's reading to go over the top. Mm. And that's pretty exciting if you're a QB and he'll do it so but he'll just as simply throw the ball five yards to a speedy little guy and let him go for 60 yards as he will try to just throw it over the top. He will take the play that gives Oklahoma the best chance to win. And when you have the skill position talent Oklahoma does, honestly, less is more. So I think he is a tremendous fit, not just because he knows Webby, but he's a mature kid. And he will do very well from game one through the end of the season. And he'll be a good transfer to the next quarterback they have while they got a chance to develop him, because you're not going to learn any better from a guy than, than somebody like him. Whoever's next in line watching Dylan this year, they will also definitely benefit.
1: I think you're speaking music into Sooner fans ears right now by saying there's a quarterback that goes through progressions and makes the right play instead of a play that might be a little bit more risky um, that that's been a little bit of an issue the last however many years since uh, Kyler Murray. <laughs> I think that I think you're saying some things that will make some Sooner fans happy. So now that Gabriel's reunited with Jeff Lebby, if you had to place an expectation upon him in this offense, because Oklahoma, one of their major, one of their major things actually going into the season is wide receiver depth. I mean, you have Marvin Mims, who is well, a guy that stuck around uh, mm-hmm. after Lincoln Riley left. People thought immediately he was gone and he stuck around. You have Theo Wiese, who is supposed to have a breakout season and, um, and is coming off a little bit of an injury. You have a couple of promising pro, uh, prospects. You have uh, an Arizona State transfer and a couple of really big trees are going to be pushed to the boundaries, of course, as well as some tight ends. Uh, what would your expectation be for him in the Big 12 realistically?
0: Um, you're talking about Dylan, like statistically or what, what do you mean?
1: With Dylan and Jeff reunited, like, do you think they're going to make the Big 12 Championship? Do you think they're going to win oh, ten yeah. games? Do you think what, what do, you, do you think? Do you think is going to have a great season? Do you think it's going to be pre, uh, you know, sixty five percent completion rate? Anything you anywhere you want to go with this?
0: I think ten wins is the bottom end expectation when they have an experienced quarterback at any major program, Oklahoma, you know. It should be a Texas, but that's another story. They find a way to fail at that.
1: I'm loving this right now, by the way. When I was a little kid,
0: I liked Texas, and I thought they were cool. But now it's just like, how could you screw this up so often? But Georgia, Florida, if you give any team that consistently gets a lot of talent, especially an SEC team because they have so much defense, you give them quarterback. I mean, my mom doesn't know which direction football should go. She can coach a team to 9-3. and Oklahoma may not have Georgia's defense, not that anybody does, but I mean they're gonna have as much or more defensive talent than any team in the league. So barring something just foolish happen and them losing every close game, like nine wins is completely bottom end. Mm. Um I don't like yardage total predictions because, like I mentioned earlier, Dylan will hand it off a lot this year. And is is Eric Gray back or is he gone? He was I love Eric
1: him. Gray is back, they have He's- a a true freshman that they really, really love. That's kind of a ground to pound. They've got another guy that he, his name is always mentioned in bowl games because he always shows out in bowl games and spring games, but never really is a big player in the regular season, you know, per usual. Uh, But they definitely have Eric Gray back and uh, that's a guy I'm excited for, but some guys are not as excited for, but I mean, Eric Gray is kind of an all-purpose guy.
0: Were you talking about Kennedy Brooks by
1: chance? Uh, Kennedy Brooks, oh man, people, people lo- loved or really did not like Kennedy Brooks in his, in his running
0: style. He was up and down. He was up. He, he was a risky runner. He took some chances. But yeah. I just think that they'll do well, no matter what, because of his experience, his leadership and his familiarity. It's a very good combination. They'll beat Texas. So go ahead and throw that out there until otherwise proven Texas defense couldn't stop my grandmother. May she rest in peace. <laughs> They're going to be competitive with every team they play. Do they have an out-of-conference game that gives you any worries?
1: I think, actually, the first few games of the season, it's not necessarily a worry, but it's a wait-and-see approach as far as, okay, where is this team at? Offensively, uh, I'm not worried about the learning curve for Jeff Lebby and the guys in that offense because what you said earlier, the route tree is not hard to learn. It's simplistic. It's getting your athletes in space one-on-one who's going to make that move. And um, But I think what a lot of people are pointing to as far as and maybe a first little bit of a measuring stick is going up to Lincoln, Nebraska and playing the Cornhuskers Mm. and seeing, all right, you played UTEP, you played this other team. What is a Division One Big Ten opponent giving you at their place? And that's realistically like the only kind of like it's not a pause, but it, it simply it is a measuring stick, I believe, for a lot of people. At
0: the end of the day, you are who you are. Bill Parcells used to say that. Nebraska was three and nine last year. Mm. Oklahoma cannot lose that game. Now, maybe they will, but you cannot lose that game. Who's Nebraska have a corner? Yeah, exactly.
1: And they lost their best defensive lineman. Yes.
0: I look the Scott Frost, it, it's ironic that UCF keeps coming back. He was at UCF, then he went back to his alma mater. I have no idea what on God's Green Earth has gone on at Nebraska, but they have found every plausible way to lose a game in his first three years there. It's incredible. I don't I don't understand because the guy knew football. He was the head coach when they were undefeated at UCF. He took a bunch of two and three star recruits and kicked the crap out of teams. It's just absolutely bizarre, but now they're going to go up there. But again, even if they lost that game, I would still expect them at worst to be nine and three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dylan, I think will throw for give or take 3000. It could be more if I'm wrong and teams really come down into the box and, and challenge the run game, but I don't expect that. But my, my biggest prediction offensively for him and Levy is they will lead the conference in rushing. And it's because I think teams will play cloud and be very conservative, and Oklahoma will score thirty-five points a game doing it, so they'll be just fine.
1: Again, again, Brian, you are speaking, and and it's music to a lot of Sooner fans' ears, especially after the abysmal kind of like running season that they had last year with an offensive line that just seemingly never could get it really truly figured out and a lot of people are, tr- are attributing that to the strength and conditioning coach, uh, because mm. under bill beaten I mean, like you said, su- you suggested, he's one of the best offensive, oh, players, offensive line coaches in the nation. Yeah, too- uh, yeah. I think a lot he's of people would agree too- with that sentiment. I agree with that sentiment over time as uh, Jerry Schmidt who went to AM when Lincoln Riley, uh, came yeah. to fruition, uh, You saw Oklahoma's trenches get a little weaker every year after the Joe Moore award, of course, as best offensive line in the country. And Jerry Schmidt is back. That's another person that Brent Venables was saying, Hey, I, this is who I need. I need Jeff Lebby. I need Jerry Schmidt back in Norman, Oklahoma and, uh, leading the conference and rushing, of course, by nature of being more physical, but also just by the nature of the offense, again, is music to a lot of Sooner fans' ears. But one last thing before I get you out of here, UCF is joining the Big 12. What is the common consensus among fans regarding that?
0: That they don't know crap about what's going <laughs> to happen. I have that discussion in some way, shape, or form on Twitter, my Facebook page, et cetera. And it's, it's true, I'm learning... And I'm a college football nut. I do nothing but watch football from like 6 a.m. until I go to bed. That's just Mm. what I do. Um, But with that said, the Big 12 is really evolving. And it starts in Waco because Dave has totally changed the style. And I think that in Norman, that's going to be a little bit of that. And we'll see if it's going to change at all in Austin. I I don't know. I I know they got offensive players. That is not a problem.
1: You got Gary Patterson holding Sarkeesian's hand right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but they got to prove it. I, I, I have zero interest in any Texas defensive analysis until I watch them tackle somebody. So that's that's just true. But the league in general is very complex with all the different types of teams in terms of defense, etc. They just have to get more defensive players. But the people that I know that actually know football, they know that the speed of UCF will not have a problem, and it, it won't going into the Big 12. Oh, they're just a, they weren't really not a power five team. The skill talent that UCF's going to trot onto the field this year, receiver inside in, every player that starts will have at least a year or two in the NFL. That's not every team can do that. So, the question now is, can they do things defensively consistently? They're they're getting a lot of transfers from the SEC, Georgia, Auburn. You know, that when you start getting those kind of guys, mm-hmm. The expectations go up. They'll have the best nose guard in the Big 12 in first year. He'll, he's going to be a three and out kid. He didn't play last year at Auburn. He is 320 pounds. You will not block him with one guy. He will eat your center alive. You have to double team him. And then everybody else is single cover. He's only going to be a sophomore. And that's what I, that's
1: what I think is so intriguing about those American conference teams is that they are getting a lot of those transfers from those big schools and those blue blood schools and it's like I don't think you guys realize that this is going to make them far better in the future especially when conference more conference realignment happens when you realize hey these schools that used to you know go you know 4 4 and and 8 and 5 and 7 are are not that's not going to be the case. They're not going to be out muscled, they're not going to be outran on the field, uh, just by nature of a just play style, but also the transfer portal um is really those schools are really reaping those benefits. Um I'm I'm curious to see how long OU and Texas. I, d- I don't think they're going to be waiting till 2025 to join the SEC. But it's there's, it, it, it's, that's it, lawyer
0: stuff, man. Yeah,
1: it, it, stuff. it's 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 out of my hands. I never know, but there is certainly a possibility uh, that we'll be podcasting uh, about a, a, a pregame between OU and UCF sometime been- in the in the near future. So that's always that's always a positive. So I've enjoyed talking to you today. I've enjoyed gaining some really big insight about Jeff Lebby and in particular d- Dylan Gabriel. Um, Brian, tell everybody where they can find your stuff and, and anything about you.
0: Sure. Um, I'm a recruiting guy first and foremost, cover most of the Southeast and Texas, do some work with dr seven sports, uh, doing seven on seven all over Texas, Florida, et cetera. And you can find me at FB scout underscore Florida on Twitter inside the nights. If you type that into Google, you'll get to my site. I help out a lot of other sites, on fan nation. So it's a lot of fun, but recruiting is where it's at. If you look for recruiting stuff, you're going to find me probably. So uh, I'm more than happy to talk football with anybody. So just shoot me a message.
1: All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And we will check you next time. Okay.
0: I appreciate it, sir. Have a great night.